Welcome to This Week in Engineering. I'm Jim Anderton, Multimedia Content Director at Engineering.com. On today's episode, new speedy helicopters for the US Army, super-cold CMOS for quantum computing, and rapid unexpected disassembly at SpaceX. Today's episode of This Week in Engineering is brought to you by Engineering.com, a globally trusted source for engineering content. Check out this and many other exclusive videos for the engineering professional found only on Engineering.tv today. The U.S. Army's Future Attack Reconnaissance Aircraft Program intended to create a new generation of multi-purpose combat rotorcraft while well, it selected two of its finalists, Lockheed's Raider X and Bell's 360 Invictus. Now, as finalists, the companies will design, manufacture, and test prototypes for the final selection. The program is part of the Army's Future Vertical Lift Initiative, which will replace UH-60 Blackhawk and H-64 Apache helicopters in transport, scouting, and attack roles. The program has a significance that goes beyond military capability, however. Both Lockheed Martin Sikorsky and Bell Textron are building new technology rotorcraft that will advance the state of the art in ways that should improve civilian helicopters as well. The Raider X uses coaxial rotors and a pusher propeller for speeds unheard of in conventional helicopters, about 200 miles per hour. The 360 Invictus is capable of similar speeds using a single rotor concept in a package that is shaped to suggest radar absorbent materials and stealth capabilities. While smaller and faster are primary military requirements, power plants, rotors, and drive systems, plus aerodynamics, may be translated directly into new generation civilian helicopters for transport and search and rescue applications. 200-knot airspeed, for example, would make a larger passenger derivative a natural for rooftop-to-rooftop -rooftop transportation between European, Chinese, or Eastern American cities. We'll monitor the competition and the technologies that it generates and report back with news. True quantum computing was one of the most sought-after and anticipated developments in computer research today. Quantum superposition promises to create machines capable of orders of magnitude processing improvement compared to current semiconductor computers based on photolithographic techniques that are limited by both physics and engineering. Current quantum computers, however, well, they need deep cryogenic conditions to operate, temperatures barely above absolute zero, and this creates a natural bottleneck for the CMOS technology used to interface the world of code with quantum qubits. CMOS integrated circuits generate heat, not a lot, but enough to prevent the cryogenic cores from operating properly. A new development, however, has been reported in Nature Electronics by a team from the ARC Center of Excellence for Engineered Quantum Systems at the School of Physics at the University of Sydney in Australia, and it may be a game changer. The team, led by Sebastian Pauka and Kushal Das, well, they've created a novel IC that uses circuit cells based on switched capacitors to create static and dynamic voltages for the parallel control of qubits. In testing, the team reports the average power dissipation while generating 100 millivolt control pulses to be an incredibly small 18 nanowatts per cell. With so little heat generated, the team predicts that a chip containing 1,000 cells could be cooled to the temperatures necessary for quantum computer operation using conventional, commercially available cryogenic refrigeration. The potential for the scaling of quantum computers to core sizes useful for real-world problems, especially in artificial intelligence, is in a word, huge. We'll track this enabling technology and report on future developments. Elon Musk's SpaceX team are continuing their very fast, iterative development program for the company's massive Starship booster program, with rapid production of test vehicles and a very aggressive flight test program. How aggressive? Well, this week's SN9 prototype attempted a complex flight profile, including a climb to 10 kilometers, pitch over and descent to a soft landing on the launch pad, with three, two, and single engine operation. Like the previous test article, SN9 exploded on the launch pad during landing in a spectacular fireball. 
Despite the catastrophic loss of the test vehicle, the company reported that several test objectives were met, including propellant transition to the internal header tanks that store landing propellant, and prompt autopilot control of the aerodynamic surfaces used to orient the spacecraft and direct it to a precise landing. The crash was caused by the failure of one of the three Raptor engines to reignite after the landing flip maneuver, resulting in an excessive rate of descent, and what the company impishly refers to as a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. SpaceX appears undeterred by the second failure, and SN10 is already on the launch pad and pre-flight checkout. The company's highly unorthodox build it, break it, and improve it strategy while it's being watched closely by the global aerospace industry, and especially the space launch industry, where risk management through extensive pre-flight testing and simulation has been the norm for 65 years. Musk believes that the SpaceX approach will deliver reliable hardware faster and ultimately at lower cost than aerospace industry practice, and we're all watching with great interest. We'll report on the next test. This episode was brought to you by engineering.tv. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next time.